0: I'm Perry, and you're listening to the Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real scientists answer your beauty questions and give you an insider's look at the beauty product industry. This is episode 197. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and it's a solo show today. Valerie is traveling and cerebellum is working, so it's just going to be me. On today's episode, I'm going to be answering your beauty questions about whether vaping is bad for your skin. If inverse hair conditioning is beneficial and whether you need to worry about emulsifiers in skin products. But first, uh, I guess this is where I usually do a little chit chat, uh, but you know, there's nobody to talk to, so it's just you and me. Uh, so let me just skip right to uh, doing some beauty science news and tell you my thoughts on things that I've seen in the beauty world. <music> Here's a story reported on by BuzzFeed. They say the FTC said Sunday Riley faked Sephora reviews for almost two years to boost sales. The skincare brand Sunday Riley has agreed to settle with the FTC. That's the Federal Trade Commission. They are responsible for policing advertising claims in the United States. And this is in regards to the FTC's investigation into the writing and posting of fake reviews. The FTC was tipped off by a whistleblower, uh, probably a disgruntled employee, I doubt, no doubt, uh, and they, they concluded that. Uh, Sunday Riley, the the brand, participated in crafting fake online reviews for products, that the brand downvoted negative reviews, which those negative reviews eventually with enough downvotes got uh, removed, and then they had the employees all the way up to the CEO, Sunday Riley herself, posting fake reviews. Yes, the job of the CEO is also to post fake reviews. Go figure. Amazingly, the settlement with the FTC. They did not impose any fines, and it doesn't even require the company to admit that they did anything wrong. Lots of teeth into that, uh, that, that investigation. The settlement just means going forward, the company promises not to do it again, and they promise to give training to all their employees on the fact that posting fake reviews is against the law. I guess they just didn't know that. Now, there were a couple of dissenting members on the FTC board who said this in their message about the settlement. Today's proposed settlement includes no redress, no disgorgement of ill-gotten gains, no notice to consumers, and no admission of wrongdoing. The statement says, Sunday Riley and its CEO have clearly broken the law, and the commission has ordered that they not break the law again. Unfortunately, the proposed settlement is unlikely to deter other would-be Wrongdoers? No no kidding. I can't say that I disagree with that. If I recall, this is also the person who called herself a cosmetic chemist, but never actually got a degree in chemistry or had any formal training. Sadly, I see that a lot more online. I guess it's not exactly surprising the company chose to exaggerate the amount that people like their products. Now, I wonder how this news, because it's a little bit of news, I wonder how that's going to affect sales. I was reading a little bit on the Reddit uh, skincare addiction. There are a lot of displeased people there. You know, the beauty business is pretty competitive with new brands popping up all the time. However, the technology used to make beauty products really hasn't changed significantly in the last two or three decades, really. And it's no wonder companies will put these Will pull these types of shenanigans to build up their brands. Uh, Their technology or product performance certainly isn't going to build up a brand. This just goes to show that you can't always rely on online reviews uh, that you read about products. Well, Sunday Riley got caught because there just happened to be a whistleblower. You have to wonder how many other companies are out there that just don't get caught. Places like Amazon or Yelp, they don't really have the ability to crack down on fake reviews. If your a company is suitably motivated enough to game the system, they're going to be able to do it. I don't know what that, what you as consumers can do about that, really. you know, Just continue to be skeptical of beauty products with big claims and lots of accolades. The accolades may or may not be real. Next up is a story that J&J is in the news again about talc. I tell you, that company really can't catch a break, can they? After losing multiple times in court for the unproven and not scientifically supported conclusion that their talc has caused some people to develop cancer, now they've had to recall a lot of baby powder because the FDA found levels of asbestos in a sample of their product that's on the market. Now, the company has voluntarily recalled a single lot of the Johnson's Baby Powder that tested positive. And in this case, the word lot refers to a product production run. See, when a company like J&J makes products, uh, they keep records of when things were made and then exactly what ingredients went in there. Then a code is usually put on the bottle, which the company can then you know, look up and then get all the information about that product, when it was made, what went in there, uh, some of the other conditions. That way, if there are any problems, they they could do something like recall the products for a single lot. Now, usually a lot refers to a, a run of product that's made over the course of a single day, or, or maybe even two, and you know, I don't know how big their production runs are, but it likely represents uh, thousands of bottles. J&J said that all their testing over the last 40 years of production have not found asbestos in the talc that they use in their products. Uh, Yay. Incidentally, talc and asbestos are often found together in nature. They're both natural products. So natural isn't always safe. Talc is a mineral mined from the earth composed of magnesium, silicon, oxygen, and hydrogen. Asbestos is also a naturally occurring material made up of silicate, but it has a different structure than talc and asbestos has been shown to cause cancer. Talc has not. Talc has never been shown to cause cancer, at least scientifically. J and J is going to look into this, but they are issuing the recall as quotes an abundance of caution. You think? Now if they deny any wrongdoing of case. You know, sure, I mean of course they wouldn't deny of course they wouldn't deny wrongdoing. Now I suppose it could have just been a quality control mistake pretty big mistake though especially for a company that's had so much bad press about talc already i mean come on guys you gotta you gotta be better than that now i don't really know what to think about this the reality is that j&j has no financial incentive to use substandard talc Uh, in fact they certainly have uh a substantial incentive to not do that right you know they certainly know that they're going to be a target uh as the story proves and the fda really is monitoring them so this could have just been some lazy quality control person or a nefarious contract manufacturer that they weren't paying much attention to or well i really i really don't know but this is exactly the type of story that makes people not trust big companies i mean it it makes it just easier for you to believe things that that aren't necessarily true like j and j baby powder causes cancer you know go if they're gonna leave asbestos in baby powder maybe it does cause uh, you know it's understandable that despite the available evidence like the safety testing and and such you know people are going to be skeptical about their products and this story demonstrates that you know they're not a hundred percent perfect i guess i would say if you know you're using baby powder products J&J is probably still one of your safest choices. Uh, they are going to get the best suppliers, and they'll also have the highest safety standards. Even then, as this situation proves, they aren't going to be perfect, but their competitors aren't going to be perfect either, so buyer beware. And since I'm on the subject of product safety, let's talk a little bit about microbial contamination and some sternly worded letters from the FDA. This is our recall roundup, or I guess they're not recalls, these are just letters from the FDA. Now, according to the FDA, in September, they issued a number of warning letters to companies, including Color Art Incorporated, who is doing business as Solid Ink, Dynamic Color, and Intense Products Incorporated. Color Art is a tattoo ink manufacturer, and the FDA did an inspection of their inks and their facilities. They found significant microbial contamination. (laughs) Yikes! They also found that the facilities where they make the products were unsanitary and that the products were mislabeled. Isn't that fun? The Dynamic Color Company was also cited for microbial contamination of tattoo ink that they produce. The FDA said they detected in samples the presence of the high virulence pathogen Bacillus cereus. B cereus can cause serious skin infections and endocarditis, through cutaneous exposure. Nice, Uh, I wonder if they're charging extra for that in their products. Eh. The FDA is waiting for uh, a letter from the company explaining how they're gonna correct the situation. That's what happens when you get a sternly worded letter from the FDA. And finally, Intense Products has gotten a letter from the FDA because of their tattoo ink microbial contamination. Jesus, what's with all these people? (laughs) <laughs> making contaminated tattoo ink. I, this is why I don't have a tattoo. Anyway, you know, I just wonder: are, are these people using preservatives? What, what is going on here? This is what happens when marketers get convinced to stop using preservatives. Though there's, listen, people, don't buy products that don't have preservatives in it. That, that's just not a good idea. Anyway, the FDA tested samples and found samples contained the microorganism Pseudomonas andersoni oligella Uroletica and unidentified members of the genus methylbacterium. It's a whole smorgasbord of microbes. And like the others, they have to send a response letter to the FDA to tell them how they're going to fix their lack of sanitary production facilities. Now, who says the FDA doesn't regulate cosmetics? They do, people. They send sternly worded letters. And, you know, these companies got some bad press about it. Anyway, uh, be careful at that tattoo ink in the upcoming months. All right, on to some beauty questions. The first question comes to us from our Facebook page. Yes, we have a Facebook page, and on occasion, I do check it, as does Valerie. Probably not as much as I should, but rest assured, if you post there, eventually we're going to see it and probably respond. Anyway, Sophia says, Hi Beauty Brains, I was just wondering about the Inverse Hair Conditioning device. It's kind of like a reverse hair straightener, but with ice, and I was wondering if it actually works. Mm. Well, the truth is, I hadn't heard of this product before, so I looked it up and I found this product from Inverse. They say Inverse is a world first product that uses the power of sub-zero temperatures to improve the condition and appearance of your hair. Now, that's very strange they say sub-zero because um, you're supposed to put the product in, or the device in the freezer, and a freezer is not going to get sub-zero, but <laughs> I digress. Anyway, they say their patented technology can be used on wet hair, dry hair, and as part of a deep conditioning treatment, and it can be used on all hair types. All right, so essentially this device looks like a flat iron. It's these clips, and it's got these flat pieces where you're supposed to clip your hair. Um, but instead of the heated plates, they have these plates that you're supposed to cool off in the freezer, um, which only gets down to zero. Uh, and then uh, they're attached to these d- this the device to magnets. And so, so you, you put it in the freezer. Once it's cold enough, then you attach it to the device via some magnets. So I looked up for any kind of patents that they talked about. And I, I could find that was assigned to the parent company, uh, Rollum Limited. But then I, I, they found some patents, but I only found something related to using magnets to attach a heating place to a styling device. But they also had a, filed another one in 2006 about a styling tool for sealing moisture into hair by cooling the hair. Interesting. But this was abandoned in 2019, which means that they didn't get it. So I don't know what patented technology they're referring to, but it could be any of these. When a company says patented technology the patent could have nothing to do with how the product works. It's just they were able to get some aspect of the product patented, and they call it that. For example, uh, I was working on a product uh, that had coenzyme Q10 in it and uh, some cellulose, and I I mixed these things together, and I found that when you mix cellulose, water, and Q10, I could get these little balls of the thing to bounce higher, and that got a patent uh, application, and then we were able to put patented pending technology on there. It had nothing to do with how it worked with Q10, but that's the kind of shenanigans that goes on in the beauty industry. Anyway, I watched their video and they show how to use this device. You cool the plates in your freezer, then you attach them to the device, and then you run it through hair that you've already dried to dampness. So you treat your hair, you towel dry it, and then you run this flat iron-ish type thing, Uh, They say you should be careful uh, when you do it uh, so you don't leave it on the hair too long because that will freeze. No doubt ice crystals forming in your hair shaft is not going to be good for the hair. So I don't know. Uh, this this really appears to be a total gimmick to me. There is no scientific evidence that I could find or that I'm familiar with that showed that a cold treatment is beneficial to hair. I know people have this notion where you rinse your hair in cold water so it'll close the cuticle. That's that's not true. That's not based on science. That's that's based on you know the experience of some people washing their hair, and it's it you can't prove that scientifically. So I don't really believe it. You know, I guess uh, on some level this could be beneficial if, in that if you're not using heat, it's going to be less damaging because the cold is going to be less damaging than the heat. And I guess it could be beneficial in that way. But I don't really see much extra benefit you get out of using this device. You still have to towel dry your hair. You still have to spray conditioners in your hair. And, and in fact, you know, heat actually dries your hair more f- faster than cold, so it doesn't even help with drying. Then you use this product after you put it in a leave in condition, so maybe it helps with spreading it through your hair, but I really don't see any additional benefit there. So the bottom line is this is an unproven device and an unproven treatment that probably won't do much for your hair, except maybe reduce the amount of damage that you get if you're replacing this with a flat iron. You know, according to the company's own. Research, though, 8 out of 10 people recommend the product that they've tried to their friends. So, wow, of course, that is the company's own consumer research, so you know I'm convinced. All right, question number two. This is an audio question, so I'll cue that up right now. Hi, Valerie and Perry. This is Annie from Australia. I'm really glad you brought the show back. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Now, my question is... Is vaping just as bad for your skin as smoking? Thanks so much. All right, vaping versus smoking. How does it do for your skin? So f- to understand uh, whether vaping is better than smoking, we should say, what does smoking do to damage your skin? Well, theoretically, smoking damages your skin in a few different ways. It creates free radicals uh, with within your skin that can break down your collagen and elastin it does that uh, you know it's, it's very difficult to measure the amount of free radicals that's produced but you know people just kind of say free radicals when they're talking about damage so i, I have no doubt that smoking does that but uh, smoking the the nicotine in cigarettes certainly causes a narrowing of your blood vessels in the outermost layers of your skin and this will impair the blood flow to your skin and with less blood flow your skin doesn't get as much oxygen and important nutrients such as vitamin A and this can lead to a degeneration of the structure of your skin and the appearance of it. Also, another thing that smoking does, chemicals in the cigarettes directly damage collagen and elastin. And this can cause the sagging and wrinkles. Uh, So that's another thing smoking does to your skin. And they also say that the shape of your mouth that it takes when you're sucking on a cigarette, that can exacerbate lines. I mean, that seems like a more of a minor thing. Just smiling a lot can do that too. But those are some of the problems with smoking. But there's no doubt about it. Smoking is bad for your skin. It's one of the worst things for your skin after UV exposure. So if you want to look younger, just don't smoke. Now, back to vaping. Now, vaping doesn't involve as many of those quote-unquote bad chemicals that you inhale with cigarettes. So in that way, it probably does a bit less damage than cigarettes. But the product does contain nicotine, so you still have that problem of the impaired blood flow and the skin damage in that way. Um, and then you, you never know what other chemicals are in these vaping devices. Uh, it's it's actually quite scary to think about. A, a number of people have come down with this unknown maladies and these lung problems as a result of vaping. So that's a bit unsettling. And this is an area that is pretty much unre- unregulated. I mean, people in their, in their garages are putting together vaping cartridges, and they're putting whatever the hell they want in there. So it's... I I just don't think it's a, it's a very safe practice. You know, I I also learned that a lot of the ingredients put into vaping devices haven't actually been tested for safety on humans. Some of the flavorants, for example, which are have been tested perfectly fine for food products, um, they haven't been tasted for inhaling. And just because you can eat something does not mean that it's good for inhaling because while a chemical that you eat gets into your stomach and that acid and conditions break it down, When you inhale something, it gets into your lungs and there isn't that same uh, process for breaking down chemicals. And so something that you breathe in can certainly damage your body more than something that you eat. So it is a little unnerving. Overall, I would say that vaping is probably not going to be shown to be as bad for your skin as smoking, but it's not good for your skin. You know, it definitely has some of the same problems of cigarette smoking. And, you know, the, the reality is... Uh, It reportedly takes about 10 years of smoking to start to see skin damage. At least that's what the folks at the Mayo Clinic say. Uh, I just think there is not enough long-term data to say definitively whether vaping is going to have those same effects or that's going to be less damaging to skin. So, you know, you shouldn't vape because it's bad. It's bad for your skin, probably. Um, But... On the other hand, it is better than smoking, so if you're trying to quit smoking and things like the nicotine patches or gums don't work for you, uh, vaping is probably better. It's certainly better than smoking. Just remember, it's still bad, and it's bad for your skin, at least as far as we can guess. All right, hopefully that was helpful. And that brings us to our last question. This question comes to us from The Slog. I always like these pseudonyms. Uh, Slug says, all moisturizers have emulsifiers. Many articles state that they harm skin or they harm our skin barrier when we apply moisturizers. Do they really do that? Should we uh, stop applying leave-on and products uh, that use emulsifiers? You know, I see this a lot. It's, It's just a little bit baffling to me, but I guess I can see where people get this notion so emulsifiers are the same surfactants i mean they're same as surfactants and surfactants are the things that result in uh, that are used to clean skin so in cleansing products we have surfactants emulsifiers are just able to and surfactants themselves are able to uh, allow you to combine oil with water now most moisturizers moisturizing ingredients are oils uh, you know em- emollients and, agents, those are typically oils, so those aren't compatible with water. So when you make a, a lotion, what you want to do is uh, you need an emulsifier to make the oil and the water compatible, and so they work great. Now, so this means there's a low level of emulsifier in your product, and I guess the notion is if you put that on your skin and you leave it on your skin, the emulsifier can somehow negatively impact your stratum corneum and then your skin. There's no evidence that this is a problem. The amount of emulsifiers used in skin lotions is first really low, uh, and and second, they don't penetrate the skin uh, more deeply than uh, you know the, the top layer or in the stratum corneum, and they just they just don't have uh, the negative. They haven't been proven or demonstrated to have a negative. Uh, effect on your skin in this way. And so when people are saying, well, don't use emulsifiers, that's not something that's based on uh, scientific evidence that is based on probably some marketing story of somebody who's making a lotion that doesn't have emulsifiers. You see, everyone's using emulsifiers, Uh, you know, most everybody anyway. And so what a company can do is they try to differentiate themselves. And as I said, it's very difficult to differentiate yourself in terms of performance so when you can't make a performance difference you change your technology somehow and it usually makes the performance worse I have no doubt that the uh, products that claim not to have emulsifiers they just don't work as well um, but what what they're trying to do here is this is fear marketing and uh, BS marketing if you ask me they're just trying to get you to be afraid of the competitor's product. So if you're afraid of someone else's product, you're more than willing to try out their product. So the bottom line here, the beauty brain's bottom line, you do not have to worry about the emulsifiers in your moisturizers. They are not going to negatively impact your skin and your moisturizers are still working perfectly fine, even if they have emulsifiers. You're not going to get any additional benefit by sticking to things that don't have emulsifiers. That just brings me to the close of this solo show. I just wanted to get a show in because I don't know the next time I'm going to be able to chat with Valerie. And, you know, I want to get a show out once a week. And uh, I I don't want those girls over at Fat Mascara to catch up to our show numbers. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We love those guys. Uh, Thanks for listening. Hey, if you get a chance, uh, can you go over to iTunes and leave us a review? That's going to help other people find the show. And it ensures that we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. Speaking of beauty questions, if you want to ask a question, click on the link in the show notes, or you can record one on your phone and then send it into thebeautybrains at gmail.com and then we get your audio on the show. And uh, I actually after the after show airs, then I send you a little link to it and so you can listen and share it with all your friends. Um, you know, I-, I like the audio questions. It uh, breaks up the monotony of listening to my voice. Uh, sorry, <laughs> this is a solo episode, so that's just how it goes. Also, you can follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're the Beauty Brains Two Thousand Eighteen. On Twitter, we're just the Beauty Brains, and we have a Facebook page too. Uh, and you can post your questions to any of those locations uh, we do interact with those uh, we don't get a lot of Twitter activity and which I have you know almost 20 thousand followers we have a lot there but if you want to interact on Twitter feel free to interact there um, do I have anything else uh... Oh yeah, we the Beauty Brains are on Patreon. So if you want to uh, support the show, go to patreoncom slash brains and you could subscribe there. Any uh, any amount that you want to donate helps keep the show going, and uh, you know it it helps keep us motivated to keep putting more shows. All right, thanks again for listening, and I'm Perry Romanowski from the Beauty Brains, and remember, be brainy about your beauty. It ends.